Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking around. Uh, I'm going to need another 30 minutes from you to share with you what I believe the Lord has for you today. I know you're going to be blessed. So I encourage you to stick around for another 30 minutes. And we're going to continue on a series called Conquest. This is the fourth installment of the series, and it's the second last, in, second last installment. Next week, we're going to be talking about King David because he is the biggest, best, and uh, uh, most amazing conquerors in the Bible, and that in fact God has established His throne forever, and that Jesus would be coming from that lineage of David's throne. But you know, this week we want to talk about his best friend Jonathan, and you'll find that Jonathan has many similarities with most of us, meaning that he didn't really have any special spiritual access when he had this conquest. But what he had is a right heart and a right attitude. You know, we're gonna t- we're gonna study this character and his conquest in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and chapter 14. So you can actually refer to it later on when you are wanting to do your Bible study and so forth. So uh, Jonathan is an individual that was uh, uh, very fortunate, in, but in the same time, very unfortunate. You know, he was very fortunate because he was the prince. He was the heir to the throne, supposedly. And after King Saul, it had been him. And yet very unfortunate is that even though uh, physically, logically, he would be the heir to the throne, but that God was, was not planning that because his father was rather beca- had become rather evil in the eyes of God. In fact, his father was a, was a, was a, was a terrible king and as a mass murderer of his own people, you know. You remember the incident when he, he had killed the entire family of the priest because he suspected that priest had, had helped David when he didn't, and that not only he killed the entire family of the priest, he also killed the entire village where the priest was living in. I mean, that guy was so evil. So Jonathan was actually, you know, under this father. So he was very fortunate and also very unfortunate. Nevertheless, Jonathan had become one of those characters in the Bible that we can study and know the heart of God because Jonathan's heart was pure always. He never had any ill will or ill intention even to his own detriment. His father said, that you are so silly because you're helping David to their own detriment, yet because Jonathan's heart was pure, he knew what the purpose and the plan was, and he did not try to fight God, and he knew David would be king, and he told David, I will honor you, and I will stand beside you, and this is a man that had no pride in his heart. He was humble, he was broken, and, and he was the best friend of David, and they both find fondness in each other, and you know, in this story, you will see that how Jonathan had his victory not only for himself, for, for the, but for the entire nation of Israel. So uh, we're going to learn. I study from the book of Samuel, chapter thirteen and fourteen, and today we also learn how Jonathan obeyed God without any special spiritual tools, without any special spiritual access of the spiritual gifts, like all the other examples that we have read. Because you know, I I could hear people said, you know, Pastor, you know, I really want to hear from the Lord, but you know, I just don't. I just don't have any access. I don't have, I'm not like, I'm not sensitive in my ears. I don't hear the voice of God. I don't have prophets in my life and so forth. And, and you know, in the, in the days of Jonathan, people had like people who, who, would, who, who would do the will of God or do valiantly and conquer great things. They either had a prophet or God spoke to them to themselves directly or through what, we, what, what is known as the ephod. You know, if you were uh, with us a few weeks ago, we, t- we were explaining what an ephod for the high priest is, an ephod is like 
like a, a breast piece, you know, for the high priest to wear. And he's got this two stone, among many stones, got these two stones that actually answer questions when the king asks questions. You know, one is yes and the other one is nay. But he had no access to that. His dad had access to that, but he had no access to that. And yet he, he had figured out a way how to answer God, how to find out the will of God, and how he was able to do eventually. So we're going to, let me set up the story for you. Of, uh, of the battle that he had decided to engage himself in. Yes, he made the decision. And uh, so um, we start with 1 Samuel chapter 13. And, uh, and uh, in verse 16 and 17, we're not going to read it. I'm just going to summarize to you what 16 and 17 says. It tells us about the Philistines had three large companies of, of, of warriors coming to attack Israel. And so in, in response to that, Saul basically gathered his army too to station in different places and ready for the battle. And in verse 19, we pick up the story, and it shows you a very underwhelming and pathetic uh, army that Saul had. Verse 19, the Bible says, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his, um, his uh, maddox, his axe, his sickle. And verse 22, So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any people with Saul or Jonathan, but only Saul and Jonathan had the sword. This is a very bleak picture and a sad state of Israeli army at the time. And what happened is that, you know, the Philistines, the Philistines make sure that there's no blacksmith among the Jewish people so that they do not make weapons themselves. And then if they want to sharpen their, uh, their uh, farming equipment, they have to take it to the Philistines and, and they will sharpen it for them. And so basically it just kept all the knowledge of making weapons from the people of Israel. That's really sad. So by the time they're ready to have warfare with the, with the Philistines, they basically were, had to fight with pork and pitches, you know, pork and pitches and, and to, 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 to come against this army that had real weapon. And that's how bleak the picture was. This, this army of the Philistines, they were, they were big, they got the weapon, but the Israelites, they had nothing. All they had were pitches and forks to fight the enemy underwhelming with no resources and worse yet in Samuel chapter first uh, Samuel chapter 14 verse 20 it tells us that even some of those Jewish people some of those Israelites they had gone over to they had gone over to the enemy side and they're fighting with the enemy against their own brother that is so sad that is a state of great disunity at the time. Your own brothers are coming against you, fighting with your enemies to take you down. And that was the picture at the time. And so Saul with his army, with pitches and forks, you know, <laughs> ready to fight this big army with weapons, with swords and spears. And this is the story. This is the situation. Now, in chapter uh, 14, verse 1, in 1 Samuel, this, which is the, the chapter that Jonathan started to take initiative. I'm going to read from ch uh, chapter 14, verse 1 of 1 Samuel. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, 
let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Verse 6, Jonathan said to the young men who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be, not for sure, but it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Here he was, had this amazing faith in God. He said, it doesn't matter if we have resources, we have people. It doesn't matter if just two of us or 10 of us or 10,000 of us, God can save us if he wants to. You see, no one told him to go and fight the Philistines. He didn't tell his dad. His dad didn't give him any order. There's no order coming from anybody. But he decided to take his own initiative. His zeal for God, his zeal for God's people, his zeal for the kingdom of God compelled him to take initiative. And this is the first point I want to make, is that, you know, although no one had told him, no one had ordered him, he, he didn't have to, he wasn't obligated to, but yet because the zeal he had for the kingdom of God compelled him to take initiative. I want to challenge you today. I said last week is that greatness had deposited in you, like greatness was, had, had been deposited into Jonathan. Greatness has also been deposited in you. Most of us would never really the greatness that is in us unless you're willing to take the initiative. Take the first step and say, yes, God, count me in. I want to get involved. I will not stand idle and see your people being bullied, see your nation being bullied. I am going to take the initiative, take my first steps to go and do something for the kingdom of God. I want to challenge you in this time. And I know many of you have. You're involved in a kindness project. You're involved in different ministries. You're involved in worship. You're involved in, 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 in prayer. There's prayer people that, that's on, on call all the time. You know, you have a prayer group that's on call all the time. And that's why the A card number is, is that when you need to talk to somebody, you call the A card number. There are a group of people that are waiting for you to call them. So, you know, they are, they, some of us are doing prayer lines. Some of us are helping the children. You know, we have children ministries. They're helping different ages of children. You know, you have taken a step. You say, during this COVID-19 season, when everything seems to have shut down, that everything seems to be, seems to stay still and get stuck. Like in the days when Saul seems to be stuck because they don't know how to go forward. They don't have the weapons. They don't have the people. And some of the brethren are fighting against them. And so they don't know what to do. But Jonathan did not let that stop him. He took the initiative. Friends, I want to challenge you. If there's a time to stand up by faith, it's now. I'm not asking you to be reckless. I'm not asking you to be careless, not to take care of yourself and, and have social distancing and do what you need to do. But it is not the time to stay behind. It's time to rise up. I'm so, I'm so inspired by so many of you decided that in this season, you're not going to sit back. You stood up and you got involved. You're helping out. We have youth, you know, we have youth, uh, youth, youth leaders that are helping the youth and speaking to them, spending hours with them on Sunday after service. And you got many people just so inspire me. They do so many different things like the Kindness Project. Oh my goodness, it's just so inspired because the zeal of God had compelled you to take your first step, to take the initiative to be involved. And you inspire me and I pray that God will continue to inspire more people to join the ranks to say, hey, I'm not going to stand behind. I'm going to not allow, I'm not going to allow this season to hold me back. I'm going to go forward in Jesus' name. So here it is. You know, uh, uh, Jonathan decided to go forward and, and listen to what happened back to 14 verse 1 at the end. But he did not tell his father. 
he told no one what he was going to do. Uh, what he was going to do. You know, like, unlike many these days, especially young people, who would often boast about what they were going to do in life, what they're going to be doing, this and that, the other thing, and at the end, they really have nothing to show for. You know, but Jonathan, he didn't tell anybody what he was going to do. He was compelled by his zeal and was going to do it quietly. And you know, the Bible says that, you know, if anything that we do in secrets, it shall be reward to us openly. So instead of announcing to the world about what you're doing, what you will do, I want to encourage you to learn the secret and the power of staying quiet in what you're doing, especially when it comes to charity, especially when it comes to serving God. Let other people promote you. Let other people boast about you. Let other people talk about you. But you stay quiet and let God exalt you because as you are humble and broken before God, God is going to exalt you. But that's also another secret in terms of being quiet. You know, Proverbs in chapter 17, verse 28 tells us that even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Another similar scripture in Proverbs is Proverbs 29, verse 20. It said, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. You see, the Bible always encourages us not to boast, not to talk so much, not to be hasty with our words, but actually stay quiet. Even if you're not smart, you'll look smart if you stay quiet. But anyways, but the point, the context, that, uh, the point and the context of, this, of, the, of, the, of the scripture that we're talking about right now about Jonathan is that every time when you want to get involved in things, you have a zeal for the Lord. Stay quiet. Do it. Let God promote you. Let God exalt you. Well, in the meantime, you be quiet. And you allow God to open the way for you and open doors for you. Now, uh, Jonathan, although he took the own initiative, and many of us, I believe, you will take initiative because I believe the Lord is speaking to you. But when you are taking initiative, don't forget, even though you are taking the initiative, you must still wait until you know it is the will of God before you go forward. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 8 to 13, this is how Jonathan would not only take his initiative, but make a decision before he execute his initiative, he would first know or find out the will of God. Okay, so in verse 13, uh, chapter 14, verse 8, then Jonathan said, Behold, We'll cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes they are, uh, where they have hidden themselves. Verse 12, And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and the armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord 
uh, has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed them after him. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the winning later on, but here it is. Jonathan took the initiative. But you know, when you take the initiative, you still need to know that it is in the will of God. Don't try to take the initiative and then just go execute it without first asking God, do you want me to do this? This is a very important lesson. Yes, you and I must take initiative. But when we take initiative to do something for God, it is very admirable. But it'd be foolish if you don't pause and wait until God gives you an okay signal to proceed. Here, Jonathan he didn't have ephod. He had none of that. He didn't hear from the voice of God. He didn't have any prophet speaking to him. And yet he still decided that he needed to know that he was in the will of God. Today, many of us have no ephod. We have no special gifts that we could say we could hear from the Lord. And sometimes even if we have heard from the Lord, we're not too sure. And you know, I want to encourage you, do everything you could. Now, now, Jonathan, he basically just did what Gideon did. He just set up a fleece, you know. That's a, that's a terminology that, among Christians that, uh, that, that, that talks about people who set up fleece, meaning do what Gideon was doing. So that's what he was doing, Jonathan, saying, God, if you, if you want to give them into my hand, if you promise to give me victory, I need you to show me this sign. So he was telling his armor bearer, if they come, if they come to us, it tells, us, uh, it tells us that God has, has, not, has not granted us the permission to go and fight them. But if, we say, if they told us to go to them, then it's a sign that God is telling us to go forward. And you say, can you do that? I know a lot of preachers have said, oh, don't put up a fleece or whatever. I used to say that too. But the more I look at the Old Testament, the, the more I'm convinced that if you're really sincere, you can go ahead and ask God to give you a sign Give you a sign. He said, God, I need this sign. And if you're not sure, you seek confirmation from, from people you know. And that's why we have the kingdom of God. That's why we have church together. You know, people who live in isolation, they can never, never seek any confirmation and never get any affirmation from people around them because they never get involved and plugged in. But you are plugged into the household of God. You are part of the family of God. And so, you know, when you need to take initiative for the Lord, oh, go seek for confirmation. Seek for confirmation until you get a green light from the Lord and you know for sure in your heart, then you proceed. Otherwise, don't proceed. So I want to encourage you, take the initiative, but wait and ask for a signal from the Lord for you to proceed. Then I know that you're going to do amazing things. You're going to have amazing victory in your life. You know, during that war in, um, in chapter 14, um, you know, Saul started to see uh, some uh, turmoil, some, some commotion in the camp of the enemy. Didn't know that uh, Jonathan now is really actually beating them up, you know, killing them and so forth. But he saw some commotion going on. So what he did is that he asked the priest that was with him to begin to wear the ephod so that he could inquire of the Lord, see if he could go and fight the Philistines. In the middle of the asking, he saw a lot of commotion go on. He told the priest, uh, the priest withdraw from the ephod because I don't have time to wait for God. I need to go. You see, that's the difference between Saul and Jonathan and many of the men and women of God. 
It says, Saul will only seek God when it is convenience for him, when it is a, conv- a con- con- convenient thing to do. When it's, it's a convenient thing for him to seek God, then he'll seek God. But when it's not convenient, he will just take initiative himself and, and, and just do whatever he felt like it was important or proper to do. Remember the time when he was not supposed to offer sacrifices uh, to, to God, you know, and, and that, and that they're, they're supposed to offer sacrifices to God before they go to any battle. And remember the time that he, they were waiting for Samuel to offer the sacrifices and Samuel was a bit late and he was frustrated. So instead of obeying God, he went and sacrificed himself. He always acted on his impulse. And when Samuel came and asked, well, why did you do that? He basically explained to them that he was operating out of his flesh. He said, I was scared, I was fearful. And I look at all the soldiers, they're all scattered and the enemy are coming and you weren't showing up. So I was afraid and so I did it. And so he was operating out of his emotion, out of his fear. Whereas his son and all the amazing men of God is that they operated always not out of what they see or how they feel, but how they have the faith in God and how they would obey God. That's how you and I need to operate. It's that not, not, do, do not operate out of your emotion. Operate out of your faith and obedience to God. Seek the face of God. You know, and that's why Saul was not successful. That's why he was rejected by the Lord. You know, he obeyed God sometimes and then he would disobey God sometimes. It's like a hidden mistake. I want to encourage you, make your life to be a life full of obedience. Always seek the will of God and you will go very far, especially when you are the ones that know how to take initiative and allow the zeal of God to compel you to take initiative. Anyways, let's move on. I'm going to talk about my last point is momentum. I want to show you about momentum in this conquest because it is very, very important. You know, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14, we continue on the story. So Jonathan went up and they went and they fought with the Philistines, right? Two of them, just two of them. One with weapon, one without a weapon. And that the first strike with Jonathan, verse 14, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within as it were half a furrow's length, uh, an acre of land, in an acre of land. And so they got in, they, 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 they killed 20 of the soldiers, 20 of the uh, uh, men without any weapons, with just one weapon in his hand, and the armor bearer had no weapon. They went and they killed 20 men. That's a small victory in those days. It's a small victory. But don't despise small victory. And this is what I want to show you. In verse 15, when that happened, when the 20 men got killed, there were panics in the camp of the Philistines. In the field among all the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked and it became, very, and it became a very great panic. So Jonathan had a small victory, a very tiny victory. He just killed only 20 people, but their garrisons of soldiers um, on the enemy sides, a lot of them. And yet because he started to have victory, momentum start to pick up. His small win of killing 20 people leads to the entire camp started to panic. And so now the, the win is getting bigger, right? And so in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 20, if you jump down to that, then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle, and behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was a great confusion. Here now, Saul and his men started to get involved. 
Now the victory is getting bigger now because first you have only 20 people got killed by two. And then now when they see some victory, Saul started to get involved. And so his men started to get involved. And now in, they are coming into a greater momentum. They more, the, big, the win has become bigger than just 20 people. Now it's become hundreds if not thousands. Right? And then check this out in verse 21. They are now catching more momentum. Now the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, in other words, those traitors who had fought with the enemy, even them now have also turned with the Israelites and uh, who were with, Paul, uh, with Saul and Jonathan. And now they are now fighting with the people of Israel because now they're seeing that they are winning. And so these guys, you know, they, they just they just going with the winners, I guess, you know. And they just join the rest of the Israeli army and begin to fight with the Israeli army. They were opposing their own brethren and now they decided that because they see that they are winning, they are now coming to join them. And the momentum is not finished yet. In verse 22, Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hid themselves in the country of Ephraim heard the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in their battle. So that the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle pressed beyond Beth Aven. In other words, there are those that are hidden themselves. You know, remember the, the group of people that I told you last week, they never get involved in anything, whether there's a war or whatever, they just get, get involved. And the Bible said this, when, when you started to see the Lord is moving in your life. Do not be surprised when you find out that people will start joining you. When you start to have momentum, there are people who were doubting you in the past. In fact, people who actually oppose you also, they're going to start and join in. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this. Don't always look for the big fights. Sometimes we need to start small. And it is the small battles that create momentum for bigger wins. Sometimes we have trouble scoring big wins in our lives. You know, we haven't, we haven't got a big promotion. We haven't got, you know, a, a, a big increase in our, in, in our income or whatever. But I just want you to know that you and I need to learn how to start small. Because it is the small things that will kickstart the momentum to bring you to great things. You know, many of us have not been to pray for people with cancer. And you know, every time when we pray for people with cancer, we ourselves don't know if it's going to work. We just did it just out of the goodness of our heart, just want to encourage the person who, who received our prayer. And so we get discouraged. And so we stop praying for people altogether. But I want to encourage, to, encourage you this is that when you started to have momentum in your life, you can do anything for God. So if, so if, you, if you have no faith to pray for people with cancer, why, why don't you start with people with a little sneeze and a cough? Why don't you start with a little, little, little pain in people's body and start to work your way and allow God to create this momentum for you in your life? The lesson today is one of the last, the, the last lesson we're going to learn today is this, is that great battles sometimes starts with small wins. Great conquering sometimes starts with tiny wins. Wins that is so insignificant, it wouldn't mean anything in the eyes of most people. But if God is involved, that small wins is going to carry you into a bigger momentum. 
to the point that you're going to have great and major conquests in your life. I really believe God has a plan for you to have major conquests in your life in this season. But don't, don't, don't be too discouraged and feel too discouraged when you see the battle is so big. It didn't discourage Jonathan to see that all his folks, all the soldiers with Saul and Jonathan, none of them had any, any weapons. And here they had to fight this big, big army that, is well, that was well equipped. Every soldier was well equipped. And yet Jonathan decided, okay, let me start small. What is it that God has called you in this season? Why don't you consider starting small today? You know, some of us has been encouraged to pray in the Spirit for half an hour, an hour, and you tried, it didn't work. Why don't you start five minutes? Start praying in the Spirit five minutes a day, and the next week increase to 10 minutes. How about reading maybe half a chapter of a scripture a day? Every day, consistently, when you have to win, then you start to read one chapter, two chapters. I know, friends, you will become great conquerors even in your spiritual quest, in spiritual discipline. Start small. Let the small wins carry you into bigger wins through the momentum that God is going to set up for you. What is it that you want to contend with God? What is it that you're contending for in these days? Friends, may I encourage you to make a decision right now to start small. I want to pray with you right now. I want to thank you for watching and spending time with us this morning. But let me pray with you that God will reveal to you what it is that he called you to do. And perhaps you already know that. But let's pray that you have the courage to be like Jonathan, to begin to take initiative for small battles, for small wins, and that he will then bring you to a bigger win and then cause tremendous momentum in your life for major major conquest in your life. I want to pray with you right now. And if you're sitting in your, in your living room with your family or you're sitting in the bedroom by yourself, would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I know you have called me to great conquest. I am not meant to, lo- uh, to live in defeat. I know I'm meant to live in victory. And yet there are many things in my life that I wanted to do for you, I have not been able to do. So I pray today that you will give me the courage, whether it's in the area of prayer, whether it's in the area of uh, praying for other people to get healed, whether it's the spiritual discipline of praying in the Spirit every day consistently, whether it's in tithing and giving, whatever the spiritual disciplines they may be, Lord, I want to commit today to start small, to win small battles. And that as I begin to win small battles, you're going to give me momentum for bigger wins and bigger wins and bigger wins until I fulfill my destiny to become conqueror of major battles. For your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name, amen.